Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we can do it. <laughs> we are doing you it. You and me, Charlotte. I know. Welcome, everybody, to this week's exciting episode of the Faith to Go podcast, where you get to talk with us, mm-hmm. Charlotte and David. Your two favorite co-hosts of the Faith to Go podcast. That might not be true. Maybe you like Maya better. Or Hannah. Or Jackie. I mean, there's lots of options. Yeah. All right. I retract that. Greg, we can take that out in post. <laughs> no, leave it, Greg. <laughs> yeah. We'll be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, July 9th, 2023. Proper nine in year A. And before we get to the gospel for this Sunday, we have a rare a rare thing. Well, actually, before that rare, rare thing mm-hmm. occurs, we did say mm. that the next time that we were together, mm-hmm. remember the last time it was just the two of us, we mm-hmm. talked about ministry context and what was ministry. Yeah. And so we said that the next time that it was just the two of us, that we, we would talk about where God's sightings come from. Right. And I'm wondering, David, Mm -hmm. if you would share with listeners, since you are one of the co-creators of the Faith to Go podcast. Right. With Robin Taylor. Shout out, Robin. That's right. Mm -hmm. Who hopefully is listening. And coming on soon. (laughs) Who knows? But like, let's talk about it a little bit. Like This invitation, which is central to the podcast, really important to both you and to me. It's Mm -hmm. actually one Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. other than talking about the gospel, it's my favorite part Mm -hmm. of the podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Other than, obviously, your friendship. (laughs) That goes without saying. Right? I do love this part of the podcast. And so I'd love for us, for people who haven't been with the podcast since the very beginning, to say, like, why do we talk about this? It all starts for me, well, let's see, where to begin. Whenever I've done small groups, I just always found it so helpful to have a time where we can share with one another this experience of seeing or feeling God moving. It all stems from just my general my general understanding of the world and how God works, that like one of the most important parts of our faith, of our believing, of our kind of ecosystem of understanding is to be able to reflect on our experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, it's a very Anglican thing, but it's just, I think, generally a, a human thing that our experiences inform what we believe, what we believe about the world and about people and, and about God. Now, in in where I am in my life now, as like a person studying practical theology and things, that's what practical theology is. It is the the theology that is informed by our practices and informing our practices with what we believe in our theology so that hopefully those two things are lining up. The basic idea of it is that like our experiences have authority. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about this today. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Yes, we are. Wisdom is not vindicated by what she believes by what she does, what is done in the world, what is embodied, you know. And so it's so important to be constantly checking in about where spirit is moving, where God is moving, and where God is not moving, because those moments of desolation are so important. Mm -hmm. The whole gospel starts with Jesus in the desert. The gospel ends with Jesus not knowing where God is. So this is an important experience of our whole journey of being a human, to recognize where God is moving and where, where it's hard to feel God moving. So the whole language of like consolations and desolations, which is a thing I've done in small groups and which I love is, is an Ignatian practice, Ignatius of Loyola, who was like one of, you know, many different people that had like a rule of life and, and a theology and, and was like a Catholic theologian, you know, many hundreds of years ago, but, but had this general idea of like, if you're, if you talk to a Jesuit 
priests now, their whole thing is like an unexamined life is like a life that's not worth living. Like, mm-hmm. what's the point of, of being, how can you be a human and not be reflecting on your experience and what's going on with you and letting that inform how you move forward? So the whole idea of Ignatian spirituality is to let what has happened inform what will be. And so to, to end every day with this Ignatian examine, as they call it, but looking back and saying, like, where was God moving? You know, mm-hmm. what was happening? How did I feel God's presence? So that the whole point is that then in the future, when you're feeling God's presence, you're becoming aware of it closer and closer to the time that it's actually happening. Instead of like three weeks down the road, you can be like, oh, that was God's movement. And instead, like, I think Jesus says, don't worry a lot. I think one way of helping to ease our anxiety is to be able to recognize when God is moving closer to the moment when it's happening. So that's the whole idea is like, it's, it's those things. It's all those strands. It's like, I believe that our experience is how God teaches us things. And so to learn the lessons of, of God is, and to pick up the wisdom of the universe is to be able to reflect on what we're experiencing and making meaning out of that. It's important. And to be able to see where God is moving in the moment helps us understand and discern where we are going next. And so that's the whole idea to me is about, it's about belief and, and transformation and becoming who we are called to be and, you know, moving forward, you know, towards how we are called to embody those vocations and, and see where God is moving more clearly. When I'm leading children's programming, very often the first thing I do is light a candle. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask the kids why we light a candle. And they'll say, to say that God is with us. And I say, to remind us uh-huh. that God is with us. Because sometimes we get busy and distracted and overwhelmed and we forget. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's the same thing in the God sightings that we do here on the podcast. It makes me more aware and more likely to pay attention to the ways in which God is moving in this world because we do it as a practice each week, whether we invite a guest to do it or whether we reflect on it ourselves, that in that noticing, it invites me into a space to always be paying attention for where I see God moving through things. And sometimes it's more of a mirror of accountability that's in it as well because I'll see clearly where God is moving in it and my hesitancy to follow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because like, and we've talked about this a good amount on the podcast lately, because sometimes those places are uncomfortable or hard. Mm -hmm. Naming the fact that in the noticing, it's an invitation to action. And again, that's going to get to your point a little bit later on. So I don't Mm -hmm. want to get too much into that right now. Mm -hmm. But that's one of them. And then the other piece of that is naming in, we've all heard it in countless forums, whether it be money management or health or anything like that, that it takes 23 days to build a habit Mm. is what they say. And so imagine like each night thinking about looking back at your day to notice where God is moving in it and how that then we are building an internalized habit, examining our lives Mm -hmm. to notice God's presence within it that will then shape how we move forward forever. Mm Twenty-three, such a specific number. I know, and who knows if that's accurate or not. But it's been said often enough that I remember it. I see. Maybe, probably twenty-three times has been said to you, at least. And now, it yeah, is what you believe. To be at true. least it is. I like so, that. all of that said, David, mm-hmm. as we don't have a guest today, in your own life, in the last week or so, can you think of a time that you felt God's presence, either a consolation or a desolation? Yes, it was actually this morning. We are recording this two weeks ahead of time. Yes. Actually, on Juneteenth. Correct. So happy Juneteenth in retrospect to everybody. My, my son and I, George, my oldest son, were watering our plants this morning. We've got a few garden boxes in our backyard. 
Now, we just moved two weeks ago, two weeks and a couple days, into a new house still in San Diego, but we moved from a house up in Claremont, which is a little bit inland, down to Pacific Beach, where my wife's church is. It's actually the rectory of the church. But, you know, moving is like, it doesn't matter how far you move, you can move next door. It's just like so stressful to pack your whole life up and take all your stuff and move it and try to figure out where it goes and what the new things you need for your house and... And especially for the kids and like all the emotions of going to this new place. And for our youngest, Fritz, who's two years old, it's the only house he's ever lived in, you know? And like George is five, but it's not like he remembers the house mm-hmm. before. We've been there for three years. So we were watering these plants and we had in our in our previous house, we had this garden bed out in the back with strawberries in it that we originally had transplanted just two plants from Camp Stevens mm-hmm. one one time we came. And now the whole bed is full. You know, they send out those runners and they're just they're just off and running. And so there's like a bunch of, of strawberry plants in there. But we wanted to bring one of the strawberry plants and let it, you know, fill up one of these beds that we have. And so I did that, you know, a couple of days after we moved and ever since then, you know, when you transplant a plant, it is not happy. Correct. It doesn't look happy. It mm-hmm. looks like it's dead. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's been like so droopy and like the leaves are all laying on the ground and it, it might as well, it looks like it's just dead. Today, for the first time after watering it and just fingers crossed for a couple of weeks, the leaves are off the ground and it looks like it's alive and it's going to be all right. That was exciting. But the thing was that George and I were sitting, standing there watering the plants and he asked me about this strawberry plant, and he was like, why is it all, like, droopy? Why does it look so sad for so long? And I was like, well, you, when you, you can, like, he said, doesn't, a plant dies when you, like, take it out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you take all the roots and then the soil that it's in and you take it and plant it somewhere else, it will look like it's dead for a while. It won't look happy for a while. It just needs time to, like, put its roots back down and get its bearings and you know figure it out and then it'll grow again and then as i was saying it i was like this plant is me Uh for the last two weeks yeah (laughs) and i said to george i was like it's just like us like we uprooted everything we took all of our stuff picked up all of our things around us moved them all to this new place and it's like so hard to do that i have felt that like droopy lack of energy just like totally demolished you know it just takes a while for us to like get our bearings again and like to put down roots in this new place and then we can like grow up and you know bear fruit and make make things again you know Mm -hmm. by that point he had stopped listening to me but i liked the idea you were talking to yourself i was talking to myself mostly Mm -hmm. and i said plants are so smart they can teach us so many things you know and so i just i just really appreciated that moment you know that like this this little thing that clicked in my brain. I wasn't trying to have, do a metaphor at all. The uh-huh. metaphor just presented itself. And it, it just felt so nice to be like, yeah, you know, like this strawberry plant is not doing anything wrong by feeling like droopy. And it's like using all of its energy to put down its roots, mm-hmm. you know. And for, for the last couple of weeks, I felt like I've been challenged by the fact that all of my time and energy has gone been has gone into this house and like getting everything unpacked and building stuff for it and putting things where they need to be using energy that I otherwise would use to be quote unquote productive mm-hmm. and like do work in school and stuff. But like I don't fault this plant for like wilting so that it can like survive. So I just like trying to extend that kind of compassion to myself. So I that was my God sighting was the fact that this this little strawberry plant was teaching me something about myself and and extending compassion to me and um, 
and giving me a perspective and a sense of of perspective on my experience. So and naming that like we're beloved even when yeah. we aren't producing anything, That's even right. when we're tired. I even, still love that plant. Didn't have yeah. any strawberries on it. Mm-hmm. Didn't even have any nice leaves. David, that's a really beautiful God sighting. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It only took me eight months to get a good one. No, that's not just true. That's just, that's just a joke that Charlotte and I have where I can't think of any God sightings. <laughs> if people go back through the episodes when it's just David and I, yeah. you can You count. might notice <laughs> that I haven't done one in a while. That's because you're busy doing the work of the kingdom, raising small humans. That's it. And plants. And plants. Strawberries. Strawberry plants. So, as always, we would love to hear from you, any of your God sightings or anything about your ministry context that you'd like to share. We'd love to hear any of your questions or comments or stories from Week of Faith Discussion and Reflection. You can find all the ways of getting in contact with us listed in the description for this episode. Those include uh, specifically at faith to go on Instagram. You can tag us or message us or the email address, faith to go at edsd.org. We'd love to hear from you. And now we're going to move into our gospel discussion for this upcoming week. Again, proper nine in year A, July 9th. We hope you all uh, are going to have a good 4th of July in two days. Wow. Look at me doing math in my brain. I'm That's so many weeks away, mm-hmm. and I did it. Um, we, Charlotte is going to read the gospel, which is Matthew eleven sixteen to 19, and then 25 to 30. And then we'll each have a point, and then we'll wrap it up. So Charlotte, take it away. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. Here we are in chapter 11. Last week we heard the last three verses of chapter 10 of Matthew. And we're skipping up to, what is it, verse 9? Uh, verse 16. So the first 16 verses are actually Jesus talking to first John's disciples who come to ask him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? This is when John's in prison. And then when they leave, it says Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. So then he's turning from the John's disciples who come to him with this question to this gathered crowd, again, still in Galilee. Okay, so when we start chapter verse 16 here, he is talking to this crowd of people. He's talking to them after talking to them about John. So John's disciples come, are you the messenger? And then he turns and says, who did you expect to see when John came? You know, a reed shaken by the wind and these things. So that's where we are. And then the part that's cut out in the middle, verses 20 to 24, 25, is all these woes. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. And just woeing people. 
Jesus is willing people. But they've cut that out so that we can have this one kind of continuous thought from Jesus. So that's what we did. When I read this gospel, it's one of those few times when I remembered the last time we had a conversation about it. And i not necessarily remembering 100% what we talked about, but the time period in which we talked about it is what was crystal clear for me. In fact, I remember where I was sitting when we recorded it, oddly enough. I was sitting at my dining room table. We were recording on Zoom because the last time we had this gospel was in June of 2020. And we were not together. Absolutely everything we did was on Zoom. And, you know, it's marked by those delays and that experience of the only connection that we have coming through the computer screen. And I was thinking about it in relation to the end of this gospel, which is where we hear, Come to me, you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about yokes around oxens, um, not yolks and eggs, different spelling, Mm -hmm. but how it's designed to pull together, right? Like the way that it is set up is so that when two things pull together, they, they pull the weight at the same time evenly and that by pulling together, the thing is transported. And in that conversation and reflecting back on that time frame, I'm thinking about how there was a period of time where it felt like we were all pulling on that same yoke in that season that we didn't have any choice except to. And some of us were pulling willingly um, living into the gospel message. And some of us were required to because the world had shut down and we had no other option. But regardless of what the reason was for it, we were all living through this season the same way, connected, whether by a yoke or the experience that was the yoke or any of those things. The reflection for me as I thought about this gospel was not just the way that we were then, but the difference in how we are now, three years later, in what feels as though we're isolated in a different way, that our independence has become so important to everybody. And maybe that's interesting too, considering last week's conversation with Shannon Kelly, where I was talking about interdependence and interconnectedness and naming that like, as I read this gospel, all I'm thinking about is how we're in this season of everybody wanting to do their own thing and not to be told what to do. And and some of that is pushed back against what we had all been through, this collective trauma of a global pandemic. Mm. It's some of that. And this is going to be one of those points, David, where I think I have more questions than answers, just naming it right now, because for me, this is just a big old case of the wonderings. The other piece of it is, is that I wonder if in that season, when we said we weren't going to add it all back in, that we were so crystal clear on what was important and, you know, that our faith and our connection to each other and our relationships and how we were going to move forward in this world. And if we think about it, it was one of the seasons where we were not just navigating this worldwide health emergency, but it had been clearly revealed the global pandemic of racism, um, which had always been in existence, but that was revealed in a new way in that season. And we We felt this unity around so many things that we were working on. 
now that things are open again and we are living into this new season, this new experience, this new reality, I wonder if some of it isn't so much what I said previously about like, oh, we're going to double down on all of the experiences, but I'm wondering about this need to make up for what we feel like we've lost, this perceived missing out FOMO. (laughs) Three years of FOMO? I guess. I don't know. But I'm wondering about it, right? Like I'm wondering about what it looks like to pull together, what it looks like to accept our own interdependence, our interconnectedness, and the beloved nature of being in relationship with each other and to honor each person's needs for experiences and things that they identify as important to them. I don't know if that's even the word that I want. I, The word that I'm looking for is not trivializing the desires of our hearts for things and experiences and activities that we are doing, but naming the fact that there's some core feeling that we feel like we've missed out on. And so that that's why we are feeling like we want to add them back in. And yet identifying the fact that there is a piece that we are setting aside and choosing that, that we are choosing not to see our connectedness to others in that. And we are choosing not to have that experience with each other. And I feel like I'm painting with a really broad brush when I say that, because like, that's not true of every human being. There are plenty of people who are working so hard to keep this world connected and to make sure that we advocate for those people who are being treated poorly and are being cast to the side and left outside of the conversation and the table. And so there are people doing that work. So I don't want my broad strokes to be too much more than that. And yet I'm wondering, if we look back three years to how we were feeling, if we went back and we looked at and we had that snapshot in time, if we had that ability, would it change how we are walking right now? Yeah, and that that goes to my point because I'm thinking about that idea of like how, how are we walking, what are we doing? And this thing about wisdom being vindicated by her deeds I mean, the thing that, that I love about this is Jesus, like, turning to all these people and telling them that they're like children <laughs> sitting in a marketplace calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. It's like Jesus is obviously being like, you wanted some prophet to come, a savior to come, and then people come and, like, tell you the truth about the world and the universe, and you're just like, but they didn't do it in the way we wanted them to. Right. They didn't wear the thing we wanted them to. We didn't like how they looked and how they sounded and how they treated us. But Jesus is also like, just before this, he, when he turns to them and originally, and he's like, what did you go out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind. You went out to see a guy who lives by himself in the desert, who makes his own clothes and only eats bugs and honey. Uh, what did you expect him to be like? Do you think he was going to be really nice and gentle with you? Or, like, did you think he was going to yell at you and call you serpents? (laughs) 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 I'm struck by that. And and the whole section is kind of like that. Because even before that, when the disciples of John come, they're like, are you the guy? Are you the one that is to come or to wait for another? And Jesus' answer to them is, go and tell John what you have heard and seen. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The people with skin disease are healed. The deaf can hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. Like, go tell John the things that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Don't go tell John who I'm saying that I am or who people say that I am 
or how I'm like fulfilling something that I'm supposed to fulfill, go tell John what you've seen. One thing that makes me really uncomfortable is when I hear something or see someone doing something that I know is true, but the person that's telling it to me or that I'm seeing do it is not the person I think should be or want or I'm expecting them doing it. Just this idea that like in his way of being is revealing a truth about God that the people don't like doesn't mean that it's not true. That their protestation is like a bunch of little kids whining in the market about how no one's doing what they want them to do, how they want them to do it, and when they want them to do it. And then towards the end there, for him to say, like, I'm so thankful, God, that these hidden things, that you've hidden things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. And the th- interesting thing is that, like, wise and intelligent people have the capacity to explain things, but infants do not. But the infants are the ones that have been given the wisdom about of God, and the wise and intelligent people have not. And that's, I think, because the truth of the universe, these divine ultimate truths, cannot be expressed mm-hmm. in words. And whenever we try, we're in some way falling short of the reality of the thing we're trying to explain. So for anybody to come to Jesus, that's why he's always answering people with questions and stories, Right. And so that's why at the end here, at the end of this first section, wisdom is not vindicated by what she says or what people say about her. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And this word vindicated is actually like the same word as like righteous or justice, righteousness or justice. It's like wisdom is justified by what wisdom is doing in the world. So like, again, back to what I said at the God sightings thing is like, We can take wisdom. We are taught by our experiences of ourselves and of other people. And like sometimes it's really hard to hear a truth or to see someone doing the work of God in the world that makes us uncomfortable, you know? And like for a lot of people, that might just be the fact that like, I think one one example of that is like when people who are deeply invested in the church see and hear people talking about their spiritual experiences that have nothing to do with Christianity. And where actually Christianity has absolutely nothing to do with their lives, and they don't care. But they're transforming and and connecting with themselves and doing beautiful work in the world and helping people and healing people and loving people. And then we have to, like, reckon with the fact that, like, God is moving out there, and it doesn't just require us being, like, Christian and making more Christians for God to work in the world. And that kind of freaks us out, I think, because, like, we want to keep existing and surviving and being, you know, a church and having this very defined idea of community. But God actually breaks down all the barriers and the boxes within which we try to put God. And so that's, I think, the idea is, like, Jesus and John are, are sharing the wisdom of God that breaks people's mold of what they think God is. And they don't like that. And Jesus is trying to tell us that is just going to keep happening Mm. because the God that I'm sharing with these people that's making them uncomfortable, the same God that you're experiencing now. So when you have an experience of discomfort, that's a time to be aware of how God is moving in that moment because that's what God does. God pushes on your buttons of comfortability, kind of like we talked about (laughs) last time with Shannon. So that's all. When our expectations are not met by people, it's like, why is that? You know, that is a moment to reflect, not to push them away, 
You know, not to complain about how they're not doing the thing you think they should be doing, but to reflect on why you're uncomfortable, what's going on within you, and what's happening in the world, and how the deeds of justice are really the place where God is moving, not just where people are saying nice things about God. So, As you were talking, because you and I did say, like, this line of scripture right here in the section that we read is magnificent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And there is an invitation in that to notice wisdom from others, right? Like the way that you were saying, but also there is that moment of knowing when we are holding the wisdom, Mm -hmm. that it's not just enough to talk about it, Mm -hmm. that the wisdom is truly revealed by the actions that we take. Yeah, that's right. Those were our two points for today. Mm -hmm. Point number one was Charlotte's thinking about the yoke and what we're carrying and how we carry that as a community, that we don't have to carry these things alone. And how things are always changing, but it's, you know, we are always challenged to figure out the ways to to carry those things together. And then mine was the second point, and it was about wisdom and the deeds of wisdom and um, being challenged by people's words and deeds and taking that as a moment for self-reflection rather than just pushing away on what we're seeing and hearing. So having heard those two points, we'd love to know what your point would have been for this week if you'd been on the pod. We'd also love to hear any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or your God sighting for this week. We will be back next week to talk about Proper 10 on July 16th. Math. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. I thought this was a podcast about the gospel, but it's really about math. It is. You didn't know that? Now I do. It's been revealed.